Hello, church family. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're continuing our series titled Waking the Dead, New Life, New Vision. The verses we are diving into are from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 11 through 37. I hope you're uplifted by today's sermon. We'll send it to Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, this morning, uh, we are continuing our sermon series on Waking the Dead. We are continuing to have a little bit of fun with Halloween uh, throughout the month of October. And we are taking a look at this, not because we're a big fan of zombie movies here at Leroy UMC, but because all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, our God is a God who has always brought new life and who is always reaching out to give new life. And so this morning, uh, we are taking a look at a story about new life that actually comes from one of the most, I think one of the most unsung prophets in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha, who never gets nearly as much attention as his predecessor, Elijah. He was kind of the runner-up, the student who always uh, was in the master's shadow, but Elisha was a powerful prophet. Uh, And just to give our story a little bit of context, it picks up right after a wealthy, unnamed woman who we know is from the Shunammite people, uh, and her husband decided to create a guest room for the prophet Elisha so that as he's uh, traveling from place to place, he can have a place to rest. Uh, It's a little bit of a long story, but it is a very powerful one. So friends, our reading is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 11 through 37. Listen now for the word of the Lord. One day, when Elisha came there, he went up to the chamber and lay down. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. He said to her, he said to him, say to her, since you have taken all this trouble for us, what may be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I live among my own people. He said, what then may be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood at the door he said, at this season in due time, you shall embrace a son. And she replied, no, my Lord, man of God, do not deceive your servant. But the woman conceived and bore a son at that season in due time, as Elisha had declared to her. When the child was older, one day he went out to his father among the reapers. He complained to his father, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And he carried him and brought him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon, and he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, closed the door on him, and left. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, so that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back again. He said, why go to him today? It is neither the new moon nor Sabbath. She said, it will be all right. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not hold back for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. 
When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite woman. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is the child all right? And she answered, It is all right. And when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi approached to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. The Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not mislead me? He said to Gehazi, Prepare yourself, take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, give no greeting. If anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave without you. So he rose up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. He came back to meet him and told him the child has not awakened. When Elisha came to the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and closed the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he got up on the bed and lay upon the child, putting his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. And while he lay bent over him, the flesh of the child became warm. He got down, walked once to and fro in the room, then got up again, bent over him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite woman. So he called her. When she came to him, he said, Take your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she took her son and left. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's hard to care for someone from afar. And it's impossible to give new life from a distance. That's the lesson the unnamed Shunammite woman had to learn and the lesson she ended up having to teach to a prophet. Of course, that isn't where the story began. The whole thing started with an act of kindness. One day in ancient Israel, we're told, a Shunammite woman decided to create a guest room so that the prophet Elijah could have a place to stay on long journeys in the countryside. Elisha accepted, and shortly thereafter, Elisha and his assistant Gehazi called the woman to thank her for her generosity. There's nothing strange about all that. However, there is almost immediately something very odd about the way Elisha thanks the woman. It's the most obscure little detail, but in verse 13, the text says, He said, he said to him, say to her. 
Did anyone catch that? It's the oddest thing. I even stumbled over it. It's tough to say. He said to him, say to her, meaning the prophet Elijah told his assistant to tell the woman. Elisha thanks the woman, but he never actually speaks to the Shunammite woman directly. Gehazi, his assistant, is an intermediary between the two. And this doesn't just happen once. No, the entire opening conversation, verses 11 through 16, all takes place as a conversation between Elisha and the Shunammite woman through Gehazi, the assistant. Elijah and the woman converse, they talk, but without really seeing each other, without truly hearing one another, they bless and thank one another, but from an unspoken, unacknowledged distance. The distance in the story is never really explained. It's just described as a given. The most likely reason is that Elijah, as the great prophet of Israel, was considered too holy, too righteous, too close to God for ordinary people to interact with directly. Like a powerful politician or a modern-day celebrity, Elijah was too important and too busy for common things. He needs an assistant, an entourage, a go-between to handle ordinary people. But then again, distance doesn't have to involve fame or power or status, does it? There are all sorts of reasons and all sorts of ways to keep other people at a safe distance from us. Especially today. We write tweets and Facebook posts when we have news to share. We text and email our congratulations or our sympathy. We politely ask, how are you doing, without always looking for an answer. We smile and throw casual waves to neighbors that let us connect to them, sometimes without needing to know them. We do all sorts of things, rely on all kinds of digital intermediaries and practice all sorts of social customs that help us connect with the neighbors, co-workers, even family members around us, all without ever having to really be present for them. Not unless we decide. It isn't that we don't care about them, or that we aren't concerned for them, or that our heart doesn't go out to them. It's just that people, people are messy. People have problems. People have drama. People have wounds. And it is so much safer, so much simpler to have a little unspoken distance that lets us pick and choose when their problems become our problems. We care, but from social media to how are yous, we live in an age that has mastered the art of how to care from a safe distance. We may not always want to admit it, but in ways great and small, I imagine we all know what it's like to be Elisha. Elisha cares for the Shunammite woman. He cares about her life, about her family, but from his messengers to his busy job to polite social etiquette, Elisha is just never really 
a presence in her life. There's always a door, a servant, a gap, a distance, and that distance remains. Even after Elisha blesses the woman with a new child, even as the boy grows, even as the years pass and seasons change, even as Elisha comes and goes, even when tragedy strikes without warning, even in grief, in loss, even on one of the most unbearable days, there is a distance. But there are some losses and some pains when the distance is just too much. Wounded and devastated, the grieving Shunammite woman leaves her child and goes to find Elisha for herself. When she finally does, he's on Mount Carmel, and Elisha sees the woman coming from a distance. And as is typical, as is protocol, as is expected, he sends his assistant Gehazi to greet her and to ask if everything is okay. Once more, Elisha cares, but from afar. The woman dismisses Gehazi. She actually kind of shrugs him off and keeps on going. She isn't interested in the representative. She wants Elisha. The grieving woman presses on ahead, finds the prophet on the mountain, and then, without warning, she grabs him. She grabs hold of his feet. She shatters the distance. She breaks through the normal divide. She reaches out in desperation and pain and refuses to let go. Gehazi sees this, and he actually, in the story, he panics. He rushes to push her away, but Elisha stops him. And then it happens. Verse 28, the woman raises her head and tells Elisha what has happened. It is the very first time in the story that the two of them actually speak face to face. Hearing about the tragic death in verse 29, Elisha once again turns to his faithful servant Gehazi and tells him to go, take my staff and lay it on the face of the child. Elisha cares, he wants to help, but he is still trying to care from afar. He thinks he can bring new life from a distance. And in response, the woman utters, what is without a doubt one of the most beautiful protests in all of Scripture. As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave without you. She won't tolerate the distance any longer. I will not leave without you, she tells the holy prophet. And Elisha rose up and followed her. For the first time, Elisha becomes personally involved. The woman has been wounded and broken in ways we cannot begin to understand, and distant sympathy is not enough. New life can't come from a distance this time. She needs someone to be beside her, to care for her by being present to her. That's what it means to care. I know I've probably used this quote before, but as Henry Nouwen put it best, 
To care is to enter into the world of those who are broken and powerless and to establish there a fellowship of the weak. It is to be present to those who suffer and to stay present even when nothing can be done to change their situation. And Elisha does it. The prophet walks side by side with the woman, mile after mile, all the way back to her home. When they arrive, he goes upstairs, he prays to God, and in the story we're told that Elijah bends over, he lays himself down on the child, something that may sound very, very strange to us, but is in fact a very powerful symbol of the fact that the distance is finally gone. Elisha completely and wholeheartedly in every sense embraces the woman's messiness, her loss. There are no more doors, no more intermediaries. There is no more distance to be found. Elisha finally cares because he is finally present And how significant is it that that is the moment when new life finally comes? The child opens his eyes, the dead are awakened, and Elisha tells the Shunammite woman himself, here is your son. That may be the real miracle of this story. New hope appeared. New joy was found. New life was given when Elisha finally let himself become God's hands in this woman's pain, God's family in this woman's life, and someone who cared by being present through it all. It's hard to care for someone from afar. It's hard to make the choice to be part of someone else's story. It's hard to draw close, get your hands dirty, feel someone else's joy, feel someone else's pain. It is hard to overcome the distance that so often exists between us and the person who might need us most in this modern world. We all know what it's like to be Elisha, but it is impossible to give new life from a distance and make no mistake about it the good news is we have new life to give our god our gospel our faith does not afford us the luxury of taking a back seat to the suffering of others it is important to have boundaries. It's crucial not to be overcome by the pain of others. It's essential to remember that there is only one Savior in our faith, and we are not it. But these things do not give us the option of being distant when we have hands to serve, good news to share, a family to offer. As Elisha learned in the grief and the need of the woman who would not leave him, we are not called from a safe distance. We are called to care by being present. We are sent out 
to get our hands dirty by becoming Christ's hands, working in the muck and the loss and the hardship of others. We are commissioned to be Christ's family to the lonely, the frightened, the isolated, because with Elisha, we are called to rise up, to follow, to draw close, to tear down the distance as we care for others because we cannot give new life from a distance, and the miracle is in Christ Jesus, we do have new life to give. It's hard to care for someone from afar. It can be impossible to give new life from a distance. That's the lesson the Shunammite woman had to learn, the lesson she ended up teaching to a prophet of Israel, and the lesson she still has to teach all of us. But the miracle behind that lesson is that when we do reach out, when we do draw near, when we overcome the distance, new life can always be found. That is our vision as a church family. That is what we are determined to do here, to be Christ's hands working in the lives of others, to be Christ's family sharing in the messiness of our neighbors and bringing new life in all the ways we care and are present. We don't always succeed, I'll admit it, but that is what we pray can be behind everything we do here. That is what we plan to do next Sunday when we leave this sanctuary to go care for our neighbors in concrete ways. And that is what we pray we will go on doing every Sunday in ways great and small. And as we end the sermon, I would invite you to join me as we pray together that vision, as we lift up and pray our church prayer together. Friends, Please pray with me. Christ, make us your hands by the way we serve our neighbor with authentic compassion and make us your family by the way we love one another with unconditional grace. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Isn't that just a spiritually convicting story about Elisha? I know a lot of the time I can distance myself from the drama so I don't get into the mess. But God sometimes calls us to get our hands dirty. I hope you have a great week and we look forward to continuing to worship with you in person and online. Go in peace.